This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be focusing on the words from Luke chapter 24, Jesus appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So they went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here to hear your word. I pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't just know about you, but that we would know you, that we would experience your love, your grace, your acceptance, and that we would leave here different people 
than those who came. And I pray that nothing I do get in the way of the work of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. All of the apostles, minus one, died testifying that they saw Jesus alive. All of them, all of the apostles, minus one, testified with their life that they saw Jesus resurrected and they died for that. That has to be one of the most powerful proofs, most powerful pieces of evidence of the resurrection of Jesus and of Christianity that exists. Now, if you were here last week or you watched online, Pastor Bill brought up that very key piece of evidence. But the first time I heard that was in high school. I remember when I was sitting in religion class, and I remember... um, how I, I, I was going through this time of doubt and worry, didn't really know if, if this was all true, didn't know if I was just believing this because this is what my parents told me to believe. And then I had this teacher, Pastor Stephen Hintz. And he said, all of the apostles died testifying that they saw Jesus alive. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Some people might give up their life for what they hope to be true, but nobody will die for what they know to be a lie. There's lots of people who will will give up their life and be devoted even to death for things that they really hope to be true, but nobody will die for what they know to be a lie. And we're hearing that and it just clicked for me In that moment, I I had this new confidence. I had this new conviction that that Jesus is real and that Christianity is true and this is something I could live for and this is something I could give my life for. This was was all true. Jesus really did die and if he came back to life, then, then I should believe everything else he has to say. And that got me through high school. But then life happens, right? Then you suffer a little bit. You lose loved ones and life doesn't turn out the way you want and your plans don't turn out the way you want and and people misunderstand you or maybe they they challenge you in your faith or maybe they come up with arguments that, that, that seem to overcome all of your belief, arguments that you cannot respond to. And after a while, you don't just want evidence, you want to experience Jesus. I mean, that's what the original apostles had. They didn't, have, they didn't just have an argument of Jesus. They had Jesus. They, they ate breakfast with the resurrected Jesus. I mean, Thomas, he, he put his hands in his side and touched the nail marks in his hands. They, they talked with him. They, they spent time with him. And those experiences fueled their faith even to the point of martyrdom. That's all I want. (laughs) I mean, there there are just some times, and I wonder if you've had those times where, where life is so hard, there's so many questions that you feel like the psalmist. Psalm 42, it says this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
Where can I go and meet with God? Where are you at, God? I'm suffering and it doesn't make any sense. I heard an argument that seems to disprove your existence. Where are you at, God? And you shout out in the darkness and there's no response. Actually, I remember meeting with a guy back, I think I was in college, and, and he said, my, my brother it became a Christian out in California. He says, if I just pray to God, I'll become a Christian too. So I sit there in the night and I yell at my ceiling saying, God, make me a Christian, and there's no response. We're continuing our sermon series, Hope in the Darkness. And we've looked at the resurrection appearances. We want to know where we can find hope. And the question I want to answer today is, where can I go to see the Lord? Where can I go not just for evidence, not just for proofs, not just for an argument. Where can I go to see God? So I can be sure that he exists and sure that he loves me. As sure as those early apostles were. And answer that question, we're going to Luke 24. I just got done reading. Throughout this sermon series, we've been looking at all the different resurrection appearances. And, and this is called the, the resurrection appearance for the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We don't know who they really were. The only time they really show up here, one of them is named Cleopas. And they're walking to this city, Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. And as they're walking, this is what we hear. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, if you've been following us in this sermon series, it's pretty common uh, that they don't, that, that when Jesus shows up in a certain place, People don't recognize him. Mary Magdalene didn't recognize Jesus. Um, the disciples didn't recognize Jesus. Peter and John and Thomas, they don't recognize Jesus right away. And I think there are some reasons for that. One reason is he was the last person they expected to see. When someone dies, you don't expect to run into them again. And then the other reason is it seems like it was the same Jesus in the body. I mean, he had the marks in his hands and the side and his feet, but somehow his body was transformed. He was different. And so they didn't recognize him. But with this appearance, it seems completely different. It's not that they just don't recognize him because he looked different. It says intentionally, Jesus kept his identity from them. Jesus intentionally, miraculously hid himself from them. Now, why would he do that? Well, I think one reason is so that we see how we can see Jesus and meet with Jesus even when we don't recognize him. These early disciples are put in the exact same spot that we are. That, that Jesus is walking amongst us, but we don't recognize him just like those disciples. And so if we can figure out how they met with Jesus and how they received him and recognized him, then we can figure out how it works for us. And so Jesus walks up next to them and he, he says, what are you discussing as you walk along the road? And they said, there's only one thing to talk about. I mean, that's like, on 9-11 saying, what are, you, what are you talking about? There was only one thing to talk about on that day, right? 
And when Jesus died, there was only one thing everybody in Jerusalem was talking about. And so they said, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Where have you been? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and we'd been following him, and we had hoped that he was the Messiah and that he was going to redeem Israel. But it's been three days since he died, and our women, they went to go see him, but they they didn't find his body. They were going to dress his body. They saw a vision of angels that said he was alive. And then some of our disciples went there, and they saw the tomb was empty, but they didn't find Jesus. And Jesus just lets them talk. He lets them talk about their grief, lets them talk about their confusion. And he still does that today. He lets you say all of your doubts. He lets you say all of your, your, your questions, all of your fears, just to say them. And he listens. But then he responds. He says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the things that the scriptures have said. Didn't the Messiah have to die and be raised to life and enter into his glory? And then Luke tells us in verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so on this seven mile journey, they got the best Bible study you could imagine. Jesus himself walking through Genesis, Exodus, that crazy book of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, even Chronicles, all these strange books. And he's walking through all of them and he's showing how every single book points back to him. And they're so captured by his teaching that, that as they get to Emmaus and, and Jesus acts like he's going farther, they say, would you stay with us? It's getting late and the day is almost over. And so Jesus consents. He stays with them and they're about to have the evening meal. And it says in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. He performed something like the Lord's Supper. He he took bread, gave things, broke it and gave it to them. And that's when they recognized him, when they had the Lord's Supper. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they're so moved by everything that happened that day. It, It says in verse 32, then they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? While they were walking and and listening to the scriptures, they had their own burning bush kind of moment. The glory of the Lord showed up in their hearts. Their hearts burned within them as they heard the scriptures. And they couldn't sleep, of course not. So they got up and they they ran back to Jerusalem and and they said to all the rest of the disciples, we've seen the Lord. And Luke ends this section by saying, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And so they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't see Jesus. Jesus kept his presence from them, his identity from them, but they experienced something as they heard the scriptures and participated in the Lord's Supper. 
So what do you think Luke is trying to teach us through this account? Why did he word it the way he did? Why did he, he speak the way he did? What was he trying to teach us? Well, I think it answers our opening question. Where can I go to see the Lord? Where can I go to see the Lord? Where, where could I go? We see our Savior in the scriptures and in the supper. That's where we can find him. Where can I go to see Jesus? We see Jesus in the scriptures and in the supper. And it was no different for the, for, for the first disciples. They have no advantage over you. They, that's exactly how they found Jesus too. As they walked along the road, Jesus hid his visible presence from them and they had to meet with Jesus through the word, just like you do. And when they met with Jesus in the word, their hearts were burning within them. Now, maybe some of you are saying, well, that's really great, pastor. I've tried to read the Bible and I don't get that heartburning kind of experience. Usually when I read the Bible, my eyes burn because I don't know what I'm reading. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's old literature that's filled with poetry and prophecy and genealogies and I can't pronounce anything. So you're telling me that when I open my Bible, my heart is supposed to burn? Well, remember, those disciples didn't get the scriptures even though they probably had them memorized. It was only as a guy, Jesus walked up alongside of them and pointed them to how all the scriptures are fulfilled in them that they started to experience his presence. And that's what Pastor Bill and I have the privilege of doing as your pastors. We devote 100% of our time to help open up the scriptures. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do with our whole life is just to show how these scriptures point to Jesus so that you have those moments of your heart burning within you as you see the overarching narrative of scripture. That's why we work so hard to prepare these sermons during the week when we're not goofing off. We are helping each other, right? <laughs> when he's not scaring me, we are helping each other, trying to figure out what the scriptures are about. So that when we come here, we can reveal them and open them up and that, that you can see. And, and I intentionally put things in yellow and, and put things up on the screen so I can show you this is what it says and try to show how that points to Jesus. And then we have the daily Bible reading. And about 200 or so of you signed up for that in the beginning of the year to read through the whole Bible in a year. And I don't know, maybe 50 to 80 people still do that on a daily basis. And if you want to jump into that, that's, you go to VOTL.life and you can go to the Grow card and there's the daily Bible reading. And it's hard. We're slugging through Chronicles right now and a bunch of names and it's difficult. But I try to put in a comment every day to help point you to Jesus. But however you do it, open up the scriptures every day. And as you see Jesus in the scriptures, your hearts will begin to be moved. That's where he wants to meet with you. But it's not just in the scriptures. Where else did they meet with the visible presence of the resurrected Jesus? When they had the supper, the sacrament. That's where Jesus shows up in the sacraments. We had, we had a, a baptism yesterday, a baptism this morning. He shows up in, the, in baptism and then in the supper. And today we have one of the largest confirmation classes in Victory's history. Pretty cool day. And I had the privilege, and Pastor Bill and I had the privilege of walking through the scriptures with these young people over these last couple of years. 
And today they get to participate in holy communion with us to, to receive Jesus' body and blood in remembrance of what he did on the cross. That's where he wants to meet with us. And again, maybe you're thinking, well, well, pastor, that's great. I love coming to church and receiving the Lord's Supper. And I hear once again that God's happy with me in Jesus Christ. He's confirming his covenant with me that I receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins in the assurance that I'm a forgiven, loved child of God. But by Wednesday, I'm already filled with guilt and shame and fear and doubt. But that's why we have it every week. That's why we come back here every week to receive Jesus in his word and his sacrament week after week to be moved by God's word. And if you're not able to participate in person, Pastor Bill and I are happy to come to your home or wherever you'd like to meet up to, so that you can receive Jesus in this beautiful way of the Lord's Supper. So here's the main takeaway. See your savior in the scriptures and the supper. That's where he wants to meet with you. He hasn't promised to meet you anywhere else. I love going on walks. I love praying to God in nature. I love to do so many different things, but he hasn't promised to show up in any other place besides the scriptures and the supper. Now, maybe some of you are, are, are thinking the question that I'm thinking, but why? That seems like such a strange way to meet with us through a book and through bread and wine and water. Why meet with us that way? I mean, why didn't Jesus just, you know, set up camp in Jerusalem and we could all go there? You know, some people go to Disney World. We're going to go see Jesus at Jerusalem, right? Why didn't he just do that? Well, I don't know all the reasons for that. But think about the lines. I mean, just think the logistics of that, right? going to Jerusalem to try to meet with Jesus and see him there. Uh, but we want to. We want to cling to Jesus like Mary Magdalene just was clinging to Jesus. But he wants us to get to work. He's got work for us to do. And he's promised to meet us in this way. Maybe I could say it this way. I grew up B.C., before cell phones, right? And I remember a time where if you wanted to meet with somebody, you had to get on a plane, get in a car, and you had to have that meeting set up because if you got stuck in traffic or something didn't work out, you didn't have a, a, a way to call them or text them or let them know you're not showing up. If you wanted to meet with people, there was only one option, in person. And so you don't meet with people very often. You didn't have access to everybody anywhere at any time. And that's how it was for Jesus. There was a time where he was limited to one place at one time that if you wanted to meet with Jesus and he was in Galilee, you had to go to Galilee. And if the crowds were too big, you weren't going to meet with him. But now that, now that we have cell phones, we can see anyone, meet with anybody, talk with anybody, anytime, place. And because Jesus hides himself and now gives us his Holy Spirit, Jesus says he is closer to us now than he was even with the disciples. That you have access to Jesus every time you open the scriptures and someone guides you through them. You have access to Jesus every time you receive the Lord's Supper. So meet him where he wants to be found. And we need that presence. Maybe I could tell you one more story about this pastor, teacher, Pastor Stephen Hintz. And the impact that he had on me. He's in heaven now, actually. He's with the Lord. He did help me in high school with that piece of evidence. 
And that was a, a helpful to, to know that that piece of evidence that all the apostles died, except for one, saying that they saw Jesus alive. But there was something actually even more powerful that Pastor Hintz did for me. I remember the day he guest preached at our church. And I must have been about an eighth grader, about confirmation age. And I don't know why, but just the simplicity of the way he said it. He said, you're not going to hell. You are a forgiven, loved child of God. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to be resurrected. And I remember sitting up in the balcony and it clicked for me. My heart was moved. That burning presence of Jesus was with me. And I knew that everything was going to be okay. What I needed more than evidence was that experience of knowing that Jesus loved me, his presence. And that's what I want to give you too. Jesus is here through his word and his promise. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are loved because that's what he said in his word. And that's what he said in baptism. And that's what he said in the supper. So meet him there where he has promised to be found. See Jesus in the scriptures and the supper. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. We have so many questions and and so many feelings and so many doubts and so much worry and guilt and shame. And we cry out to you. And so answer us through the scriptures. Confirm in us again that you love us, that you accept us, that you want us, that you have a plan for our lives. And don't ever let us go. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.